0: Chapter Twenty One of A Mayfair Magician A Romance of Criminal Science. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Mayfair Magician A Romance of Criminal Science by George Griffith. chapter twenty one I was afraid that something like this might happen, said Isa Ramal with a piercing glance at Headley Siemens, who had managed even in that brief space to regain command of his features, although he was unable to call the color back to his face. Did Her Highness try to take her hands from yours? yes that is to say i felt them begin to tremble when we began to see-well i suppose i needn't tell you what we saw and-and did you try to hold them longer when she attempted to withdraw them continued the director who was now standing behind the princess's chair supporting her head against the back with one hand and with the other stroking her face very gently with a downward motion "'Well, to tell you the truth, doctor,' replied the Gold King, a little awkwardly, "'I did. You see, I was getting interested. It is not every day that a man sees into the working of a woman's brain, and begins to read her soul like a page of the plainest print.' "'No doubt,' replied the other, with a grave smile. "'That, I suppose, is only ordinary human nature.' Still, it was fortunate that Her Highness got her hands away from yours as soon as she did. Indeed, I suppose you mean that the consequences might have been serious. Of course, I am very sorry that the experiment ended as it did, not only for my own sake, but for the Princess's. Ah, I see your treatment is beginning to have a good effect. Yes, replied Isa Ramal so far it was only a shock which resulted in a fainting fit but i do not wish her for her own sake to return to consciousness before she sleeps much will depend upon that but if you had been successful in holding her hands and compelling her to continue the experiment a few moments more might have wrecked her reason possibly even caused her death now you see Her eyes have closed, and she is beginning to sleep quietly. That is the only remedy we can hope for. Dear me, I had no idea that it was such a serious matter as that, exclaimed Siemens, getting up from his chair. Candidly, Doctor, I must admit that I went into this thing with a very considerable amount of scepticism, but I hardly need tell you now that I am quite convinced, as I have not the slightest doubt her Highness will be when she comes to herself again really, I had no idea that we were playing with fire of that sort. But what are we going to do with the princess? Have you anyone who can attend to her?' "'Of course,' replied the doctor, continuing the motion of his hand over his patient's face. "'Her Highness can be moved very soon now, if you will be kind enough to press the button beside the door there, just where the curtains part, twice quickly, and once in a moment or two ram das will come then we will take her to another room and his wife who is as skillful a nurse as there is in england shall do everything that is necessary for her i can assure you that her highness could not possibly be left in better hands and if my treatment has been successful i shall hope for her own sake that she will awake thinking nothing more of this experience than if it had been an evil dream "'And for her sake, and to a certain extent for my own, I most sincerely trust you will be successful,' replied Headley Siemens, with a smile full of meaning, as he put his finger on the button and pressed it as he had been told. A few minutes later, when Princess Natieff had been safely delivered into the care of the Indian nurse, they were back in the director's sitting-room. "'And now, sir, having seen what you have seen—' and having admitted that you are convinced of the possibility of seeing an unveiled human soul. He said almost sternly to his guest, I shall ask you whether you are satisfied with what you have seen, or whether you are in a mind to pursue the experiment further. Yes, doctor, replied the millionaire, meeting his inquiring glance quite steadily. Yes, I am convinced. You know— of course, that I am not only what the world sees me, a mere soulless man of business who cares nothing for anything, except the piling of millions on millions. That I am. Money-making is my hobby, my amusement, and, of course, I don't deny that I like the power that money brings. But, as you know too, I am also something of a student of the mysteries of existence, a dreamer of dreams, if you like. Wherefore, Now that you have convinced the man of affairs that this marvellous piece of mechanism of yours, whatever it may be, really does work miracles, it is only natural that the dreamer, the student, should wish to see more. In short, as far as I am concerned, I am ready to begin the experiment again with anyone whom you may select, with yourself even, and carry it through, no matter what the consequences may be. Does that satisfy you of my sincerity?' "'I have never doubted it since you entered the room and took your place at the table,' replied the director. "'But even again I must warn you that the consequences may be very serious.' "'That, I admit, of course,' interrupted the other. "'But how serious?' "'That,' was the reply, "'is a question which I cannot answer quite definitely.' You must remember that the revelation of one human soul to another is a very serious, nay, a very solemn thing. Remember that it means the opening of that inmost citadel in which the actual self of a human being has for ages, yes, even from the beginning of human evolution until now, remained unseen, apart, and alone. During this incomplete experiment with the princess, you only saw the door of that citadel slightly ajar, just as she did in your case. What you might have seen had it been thrown wide open, as it would have been, no man can say, and, therefore, if you choose to continue the experiment— "'You must be prepared to have the inmost secrets of your own soul "'laid bare to the gaze of another man. "'Are you ready to take such a risk as that might be?' "'Most decidedly, if they can be got at,' replied the Gold King. "'And, under any circumstances, "'I think I would rather trust them to a man than a woman.' "'Now, who is the man to be? "'Yourself, I presume?' "'No.' "'said Izar Ramal quietly, yet with a deep meaning in his tone. "'It will not be myself. "'I have no desire at present to add my knowledge of human nature. "'If you are determined to continue the experiment, "'the man who will see into your soul, and into whose soul you will see, will be dead.' "'Eh? What is that you say?' interrupted the millionaire, with a very visible start, which he was totally unable to disguise. "'Dead, did you say? Surely you can hardly be serious. At any rate,' he went on with a perceptible hardening of his tone, "'I may as well say at once, doctor, that although I adhere to all that I have said, I do not propose to be made the subject of any experiments in the supernatural, if that is what you are going to suggest. Anything within the realm of nature I am willing and glad to learn.' "'but I have neither taste nor ambition to trifle with the problems of life and death.' "'You would have had no fear of that, my dear sir,' replied Isaramal, with a touch of sarcasm in his tone, "'if you had allowed me to finish my sentence. The man of whom I was speaking is dead only as regards this world and its outer workings. He died quite publicly a considerable time ago.' and he has not the slightest desire to return—I won't say to the flesh, but rather to the former state of his existence. From that you will, of course, naturally and correctly conclude that, should any secrets be discovered in the course of the experiment, they will be in absolute safe keeping.' "'Am I to take it?' said the millionaire, with a little lift of his eyelids. That that is the answer to the question which I asked Ram Dass when he brought me your note? "'It is,' was the quiet reply. "'Then that satisfies me completely. I shall be ready to go through with the experiment whenever it is convenient to yourself, and, well, your colleague, as I suppose we call him.' "'I am glad to hear it,' replied the other. I will not suggest this evening, partly because my colleague is not here, and also because I should advise you to take a little time to think over what you have seen and heard to-day. Of course, I need hardly suggest the absolute privacy of everything that takes place here. There is not the slightest reason for that, my dear doctor. I have seen quite enough to be satisfied that if the next experiment is successful, no one will have a deeper interest in secrecy than I shall have. Perfectly, said Izar Ramal, with a smile of almost womanly gentleness. It is an excellent thing that we should understand each other, so soon and so perfectly. As soon as I am able to complete the arrangements, Ramdas will come to you." Half an hour later Hedley Siemens was driving home in his brougham, which had waited for him. He was leaning back in one corner, with his feet on the opposite seat, smoking furiously and biting off more of his rapidly succeeding cigars than he smoked. He was looking straight ahead through the rounded glass, which formed the front of the carriage, at the hedges and houses and swiftly passing street lamps, which seemed to wink at him like quickly moving inquisitive eyes. When the brougham had passed the long, upward-curving lane which leads into a straight, dismal road, flanked by neglected gardens and great, square-built, flat-topped houses, whose glory has long departed, he let down both windows, flung the ragged, bitten half of his last cigar into the road, and began to breathe deeply, as a man might do who has just escaped from some stifling chamber into the fresh air. He had been trying in vain to analyze the crowding thoughts which had arisen out of that wonderful evening's experience, but, in spite of his perfect mental discipline, and rare faculty of, as it were, dividing his own personality and criticizing himself as he might have done another man, he had to confess that, for once, his mental faculties had got out of hand. So, just as though he had been recovering from a stunning blow— or coming back to sanity after a period of delirium, he sat there, silent and motionless, staring about sightlessly in front of him, as the luxurious brougham swayed gently on its sea-springs, and rolled smoothly on its rubber tires, down Denmark Hill, past Camberwell Green, along the Camberwell New Road, and through the unsavory purlieus of Vahall, over the bridge, round by Victoria Station, and so through Grosvenor Palace and Knightsbridge, to Hyde Park Corner. Not a thought seemed to pass through his brain, and not a word came from his lips, as the swiftly changing scenes flitted past his carriage windows. But when he got out into the cool night air at the great arched entrance to the court, he pulled himself together, with such a very obvious effort, that the splendidly uniformed porter, somewhat mistaking his symptoms, hurried down the steps even more quickly than usual to greet the most distinguished resident in his domain. When he got to his rooms he dismissed the waiting saunders with a curtness that wounded that gentleman's gentleman not a little. Then he mixed himself as stiff a peg of brandy and soda as ever he had taken in his wildest days, and went to bed to dream half-waking dreams of unutterable possibilities. End of chapter 21.